Greetings from Jerusalem, the only city on the planet which is called the Throne of the Lord, Jeremiah 3.17. Our theme song you just heard is Tukun Olam, which resonates the soul of this broadcast to help repair the world, especially the church and Israel. What can we offer that few others can? Tune in each week. Our message is coming from Jerusalem and will give real meat to the Word of God in this season of much-needed Bible truth. For the one billion Christians in the world, I would like to see this broadcast help you catch a glimpse of what you've been missing and to help you reconnect your faith to the missing link. I guarantee you'll go deeper in the Word of God from tuning in to Heartbeat for Israel, sponsored by Christian Friends of Israel Jerusalem at cfijerusalem.org. Why? There's so much to tell. Just join us now for our time together. Amen. So what I want to give you today is something that is really on my heart, and I've done a lot of in-depth study on it, and I want to bless you with it. But I want you to know, because of our time constraint and where we've been and traveling and all that we've had to do, I can't deliver it today as I did this morning. What I shared with you this morning came from the depth of my soul. It was easy to give to you. But the significance of what I want to deliver to you today is so important, and I want you to take notes about it, because I have done an in-depth study. It just isn't as easy to give. And so if you see me glancing at my notes, or whatever, or even reading some parts, it's because I want to make sure I'm correct, all right? I don't want to make mistakes, and I want to be able to give it to you as you take your notes. Now, the, what we're going to do today, and the reason I had the shofar blown, is because I want you to know that there's something significant happening in the church today. Something in the end times that are, is so important that the church needs not be complacent or apathetic about. It's something that God is sovereignly doing. And you know what it is? It's the sound of the shofar beckoning the church to answer and respond to the call of Ruth. And I'm going to be talking a lot about Ruth and Naomi today. See, the call of Ruth urges God's people, the church, to stand with and bless God's people, the Jews. To love them with the love of Jesus the Messiah and to serve them in the spirit of Ruth. I'm sure all of us today would agree that really, in the world we live in, the only true, pure source of pure truth is this Bible that we hold dear to us. There's lots of news out there, there's lots of media, lots of information you get, but it's not pure truth like the Bible. And we know that it's not just a measure, a collection of writings. It's God's authoritative word, forever settled in heaven. 
And God says, I will bless those who bless my people. It's that simple. Any nation, tribe, color, culture, it doesn't make any difference where we are in the world. If we bless the Jewish people, we'll be blessed. Ray and I have been in Israel uh, uh, with the ministry of CFI since 1985, June, June of 1985. In 1983, we released our future to the Lord. Some of you may be thinking about that and saying, God, what are you doing with my life? I can only say if God is in it and he's calling you, if God's call is on your life and you don't answer it, you'll never know what you missed. And you'll come to the end of your life saying, I wish I would have answered the call. If you're in the call of God and you leave it, well, you'll never be fulfilled anywhere else. Because in the call of God is the safest place to be. Some people say, why do you want to live in Israel? It's the most dangerous place in the world. And we do say, the only safe place is in the will of God, wherever that is. And if he's called you to your neighborhood, to your church, to a people group, wherever here, just keep answering that call and do what God calls you to do. Well, after Bible college, we went to Bible college in Dallas, Texas. We heard the sound of the shofar sounding in our ears, and we actually answered the call to go to Jerusalem. And uh, we left our homeland and moved there, and that's where we've been busily working since then. But the burden I have on my heart today is for the church of the Lord Jesus. And I pray that there will be hearts here that will be open today to an important symbolic teaching of the book of Ruth. For the story of Ruth and Naomi is a parallel portrait of the church and Israel. So before we look at the book of Ruth today, I want to ask a question of each of you here. A question just to think about. If I were in America or if I were any other country in the world, I'd ask the same question. If, and we say God forbid, but if any kind of an economic crisis on a national scale happened here and it affected the whole country and the tabloids carried headlines, Jews behind crisis. If anti-Semitism all of a sudden on your street, your neighbors, if anti-Semitism became rife, and they were talking about those Jews that called all the, caused all the problems. Would you take a stand for righteousness and stand with the Jewish people? Would you cast your lot and stand up for the Jewish people? You see, I believe that God's people are under attack right now in Israel. They're already under attack in their own land. But I believe that they're going to be under attack in our nations again. Because God, first of all, has got to get them home. And he'll do anything to shake our nations to get them home. And he even uses anti-Semitism, as ugly as it is, to sometimes get them home. But uh, what I'm trying to say is that anti-Semitism worldwide is on the rise again. As we monitor, monitor it, I even read an article that anti-Semitism in some countries is even worse than it was in the 1938. And so the question is, will we? 
Will we stand when times and if times really get hard with the Jewish people? It's a question we all have to ask ourselves. The Lord is preparing a bride. We know that. And it will be with, she will be without spot or wrinkle on her wedding gown. But at this time, the church needs to understand and acknowledge that there are stains on our wedding garments. You know, we have heavenly garments, garments of praise, the garment of salvation, the robe of righteousness. God talks about our heavenly garments. But because of what happened over the past 2,000 years with organized Christianity, and even during the Holocaust, and just in our own towns, cities, and villages in our countries, America let six million die before she ever took any into her borders. We have stains on our garments. And so we want to ask ourselves the question, will we, will we stand in these last and latter days with the Jewish people when the times get rough? And what can we do as the church to help uh, remove those stains from our wedding garments? I want to look at the story of Ruth itself first. And as I said, pardon me, because I'm not used to using so many notes. I'm used to talking from my heart because it's the best way I can communicate. It's the only way I really can. But I wanted to give you this message because I think, it, think it's important today. The book of Ruth is one of the most beautiful love stories in the Bible, isn't it? And it's really an allegory. And if we just for a moment think, what's an allegory again? It's, it's a story with a meaning beside the literal account. And the book of Ruth is an analogy of what the relationship between the church and Israel should be. Let me repeat it. The book of Ruth is an analogy of what the relationship between the church and Israel should be. I hope my message will help us to discover some foundational truths in God's word today. And I want to use some stories and allegories, just like Jesus did when he was teaching. There's four points that are going to come out strong. Of the un unshakable fidelity, faithfulness, relationship, and friendship. Unshakable fidelity, faithfulness, relationship, and friendship. And before we get into the biblical account of Ruth, I just want to share a modern-day story that goes with what, where I'm headed. <clears throat> it was a story that happened right after World War II, and two soldiers were released from a prison camp. Now, I don't know where they were American soldiers, British soldiers. I don't know what soldiers they were, but I understand it's a true story that after they were released, they were ready to go home. And they were about to board a boat to go home when they were told that there was very little room on the boat and that they could only bring one important piece, the most important piece of luggage that they, they owned. There was only room for one. So two of the soldiers had been with each other through the whole war. They were like brothers. They'd always been together and watched out for each other. And this is what happened. 
one of the two soldiers was selected to go home on the boat sailing with his one piece of luggage, but his friend was told he'd have to stay behind and wait. He'd have to stay behind and not wait. For there was just, and wait for a later boat, I'm sorry, he'd have to wait for a later boat for there wasn't any room on the boat that was leaving. And it was a terrible disappointment to the two men who had fought together in the war. But do you know what happened? The first soldier that was told that he could leave on the first boat leaving, instead of leaving his friend behind, he grabbed the only piece of luggage he was allowed, a large, I understand it's called a kit bag. We say a duffel, but a kit bag for the military. He grabbed it, he turned it upside down, spilled all the contents out of it, and then he asked his friend to step into the bag. And he carefully lifted the bag on his shoulder and on his back, and he carried his most important piece of luggage onto that boat. Now that's what I called friendship, real friendship and love. It was faithful love and commitment to one another that he clung to his friend, and he wouldn't let him go. And that's what we're going to learn about today with Ruth and Naomi and the church and Israel. Now, the book of Ruth really is a non-Jewish daughter-in-law's relationship with her widowed Jewish mother-in-law. Ruth had no ties to bind her to, to Naomi, yet with a steadfast love and strong love, she faithfully clung to her and supported her. Ruth, in the story, befriends her mother-in-law. And you know, you can turn to the book of Ruth, but don't try to read it with me because I'm going to walk you through it, kind of as if you were there with them. Ruth befriends her mother-in-law, Naomi, in a manner so passionate that even passages from this book are used in weddings, aren't they? We've heard it many times. In the wedding vows at weddings, Ruth pledged her life to Naomi, and in effect she said, I'll, I'll, if I leave you except for any reason but death, may God abandon me or worse. The book of Ruth is known all over the world as a matchless love story. And such love is rewarded by God in a most dramatic way, as we're going to learn. So let's begin with the first chapter of Ruth. I want to put you in the setting. It was the time, it was the time before kings ruled and the elders met at the city gate. All right? They sat, they sat there to determine guilt or innocence when it came to different cases and civil matters between people. It was a bleak time in Israel's his history. It was a time, really, of the judges when everybody did what was right in his own eyes. And there was a Jewish man from Bethlehem, Judah. His name was Elimelech. And you know, in Hebrew, Elimelech means, my God is king. That's what Elimelech means. There was a famine in the land. Imagine the wells were all dried up. There wasn't much water. It was so hot, kind of like it is in Israel today. We've got a drought over there, as you know. There weren't very many clouds, and there was hunger everywhere. And so Elimelech decides, I'm going to take my family over to the land of Moab. You know, that's really just across our borders. It's, it's the modern-day Jordan. 
and I'll just live there temporarily in Moab. That was a neighboring Arab country. However, when he made that decision, he forgot that Israelite law forbade him to go to a heathen nation. And so he and his wife, Naomi, and by the way, in Hebrew, Naomi means pleasant. They took their two sons and they walked. They left on foot to go over here to Moab. And imagine it was downhill mostly from Bethlehem and Jerusalem, but it still would have been a long and a hot walk. I think probably Elimelech might have said, I'll just make a little money, you know, for the family, and then we'll go back. But famine took its toll, and disaster struck. And Elimelech, we know as we read, died. Now Naomi and her sons were there away from their homeland in Moab. Well, we read on that the next thing that happened was that the two Jewish sons, Malan and Chilion, they took foreign wives, Moabitess girls. They didn't wait. didn't wait for the Jewish girls, and there weren't any Jewish girls around, so they decided to marry foreign wives. Well, one that was the name, uh, one uh, that was taken was Orpah, and in the Hebrew, her name means stiff-necked. The other son took Ruth, and her name means friendship. Tragedy struck again. The famine was really hard on everyone. The men had gone to work, but they didn't make it home, and they died. And here's Naomi with her two daughter-in-laws, and I can just hear these, I can just hear the wailing of the depth of pain, their mourning uh, in their hearts because they've lost their husbands. Well, a little later on, in about verse 6, it says that Naomi, she heard that, well, it, gotten, it had gotten better in Israel. The Lord had visited his people again and given them bread. So she decided to go back to Israel, and she turned to her daughters-in-law, although she turned to both of them, and she said, go home. Go home. Return to your families, both of you. Go find other husbands for yourselves. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt kindly with me and my dead. But go home. Go home. And at that moment, Orpah, I'm sorry I don't have Orpah on this overhead. You have to picture her being there. Orpah gave Naomi a kiss. One last kiss, and she walked away. It was a kiss goodbye. Let's never forget, too, it was a kiss that betrayed Jesus. She loved her. Orpah loved Naomi, but she didn't love her enough. She returned to her own people and her foreign gods and left Naomi. Orpah, I believe, is a portrait of the part of the Christian church that has not been able to understand and appreciate the inseparable bond between the church and Israel. Let me repeat it. Orpah is a portrait of the part of the Christian church that has not been able to understand and appreciate the inseparable bond between the church 
and Israel. Instead of identifying with Israel and toward a Christianity that comes the revelation of God through the Hebrew scriptures, they often have gone to a Christianity more influenced by the world or paganistic influences. Rather than comfort Naomi, as Isaiah says, comfort, comfort ye my people, the Orpah part of the church has left Naomi to mourn and fend for herself, uninterested in being a blessing to her and distancing herself from her. She has failed to discern the spiritual significance of clinging to Israel because she's partially blinded in the understanding of God's word, of his plans, and his purposes for Israel. Unlike Orpah, we see that Ruth stayed. She wrapped her arms around Naomi and clung to her in verses 16 and 17 and said, Entreat me not to leave you or to return from following after you, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. When you die, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more, if anything but death parts you and me. The Ruth part of the church has an understanding, a revelation, in your hearts, of God's plans and purposes for Naomi or Israel. And there's a sovereign move worldwide across the world today to return to our Jewish roots and an understanding of the foundation of our faith and the rock from whom we are, are carved. In other words, Ruth was saying to Naomi, Every place you go, I never want to leave you or your people. I can only imagine a smile that may have come over Naomi's face as she sensed the loyalty in Ruth's spirit. Now, I'm not talking here about Christians in the nations having to leave their countries and everyone moving to Israel as Ruth did with Naomi. I'm not saying that today. But I'm talking, I want to try to talk about a love relationship of clinging to Naomi, thinking and knowing about our Jewish roots and the foundation of our faith. We said it before, all we possess as the church came from the Jewish people. Let's think about it again for just a moment. The Bible we read is a Jewish book. It was written by Jewish men of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. All the prophets, the psalmists were Jewish, and the New Testament was written by Jewish men. All the apostles were Jewish. The early church was Jewish. The Lord's disciples were Jewish. And, of course, above everything, the Lord himself was a Jewish man in the flesh. It's an awful lot to be thankful for as the church. It's always amazed me, though, how the church could receive so much spiritually from Israel and be so ungrateful to the Jewish people down through history. Well, Naomi and Ruth traveled back to Bethlehem, and uh, it probably felt good going home to Naomi in a way, 
but she may have been a little embarrassed by bringing someone into the Israelite camp who was of Moabite blood because, you know, the Moabites were a thorn in the flesh to the children of Israel. Being a Moabitess in a Jewish town like Bethlehem um, made Ruth an, an extremely unsuitable candidate for marriage to an Israelite. But when Naomi and Ruth got to Bethlehem, and I'm sure when they got there, the people probably said, they probably looked up as they were walking into the outskirts of the town, probably tired, hungry, dirty, and thirsty, and cried out, Naomi, Naomi, it's Naomi, she's back. But Naomi really said, call me Mara. Call me Mara. Mara means bitterness. It means she was bitter because she had lost all hope. Everything she loved was gone from her. And I'm sure at this point, Ruth probably was beginning to wonder herself, how are we going to live? 